Welcome back, everybody, to yet another episode of Going for Two. It's the official podcast of the Extra Points newsletter. I am the publisher of said newsletter, your host, Matt Brown, coming at you here to a beautiful fall afternoon in Chicago. I am joined by my colleague and my co-host, Brian Fisher of Athlon Sports. Brian, I we, we had a publishing schedule. We had some guests lined up. We thought we knew what we were going to be doing. And I was so confident in that schedule that on Monday evening, I decided I'm going to write my newsletter early. I'm going to go pull out the kayak. We've got maybe eight hours left of warm weather before it starts snowing around here. Let's go in Lake Michigan. And it was there in the middle of the water that I checked I, I, I checked my phone to make sure it hadn't fallen in the lake and discovered um, some pretty big news had happened. Maybe I picked a bad day to be out of my office, huh? That's how it always happens. You know, it's, a, it's like in college football where we always say this schedule, eh, you know, it's kind of yeah. meh on, on, on a Saturday. And then it ends up like this past weekend where just chaos everywhere and, and all these crazy games happen, all these these f- finishing flourishes just happen all at once. And, and you're like, wow, that was I, I didn't see, expect that. And it seems like the news cycle and, and especially in college athletics, it's kind of on the same boat. And, and quite literally in your case in, in Lake Michigan, but hey, uh, you know, it, uh, it, it was a, a wild, wild week and uh, these these continuing re- realignment uh, reverberations uh, from Oklahoma and Texas moves are are still rippling out there in the water. And we saw the, the latest one uh, with the AAC now. Yeah, I, I mean, setting aside everything that happened in the last 48 hours that didn't have anything to do with conference realignment, which I think would be its own podcast, I would encourage you to perhaps listen to my good friends at Split Zone Duo if you're interested in Washington State coaching vacancy uh, transition news. I, I I am not the expert on, on that particular story. But yes, on, on Monday uh, evening and then confirmed by a couple of other people here uh, today, we're recording this on Tuesday afternoon, the American Athletic is expected to expand. That's not breaking news. What was a surprise is that the American Athletic is expected to expand by six teams, adding not just UAB, Charlotte, UTSA, who have been tied to almost every rumor uh, tied to the American Athletic over the last couple of weeks, but also Florida Atlantic and also North Texas and also Rice, which assuming everybody stays in the boat and all the applications go through and nobody else leaves the American, that would give the American 14 teams. It would seemingly shut the door on immediate expansion from the Mountain West Conference, who had previously considered going into Texas, and would leave the Sun, the Conference USA with just eight teams, and potentially fewer than that if the Sun Belt ends up poaching any of those. Um, was were you expecting this to, this story to end exactly like it did? Because I'll be honest with you. Uh, North Texas and Rice came out of left field for me and for the people that I was talking to about this. Yeah, I mean, great work by both those schools. I mean, you talk about uh, some experienced veteran ADs, especially helping guide this process along. I think, you know, you, you got to give a lot of credit to keeping this quiet because I, I don't know if there was really a whole lot of rumors. Now, granted, North Texas, a public school and, and Rice being a, a private school, very tight knit community there that they could probably more, more easily keep things uh, a little bit uh, quieter. But uh, I think it was a surprise when when those schools were included in, in this next wave, but also really kind of speaks to uh, kind of everybody's being in the same boat with Conference USA in terms of wanting to kind of get out of that league. And uh, this was a lifeline for them. You know, you, you can talk about how, how this kind of affects the bigger picture and what really the re- 
constructed American kind of looks like and, and has in terms of media contracts and all that. But, you know, the bottom line, it is it is a better league for them. You know, it is a more stable league in, in certain respects. They're likely to get more media money uh, out of this. How much is, you know, kind of remains to be seen. But I, I think for Rice, you know, they get back in with, uh, you know, I think like-minded schools like SMU uh, from their old Southwest Conference yeah. days. You know, they, they're playing. Some of them the are like-minded schools. Sure. Yeah. Tulane, definitely a like-minded school. Navy, oh, definitely a like-minded school. Exactly. And so I think they, they, they like that, you know, versus, you know, being in, in the same lot as Western Kentucky and, and certain others, you know, I think in, in conference, you say that maybe we're not quite the, the greatest of fits, um, you know, and, and I think, uh, you know, look, look, this is a very interesting move on on a number of levels, but just the AAC kind of consolidating around Texas, I think maybe on, on top of being kind of the, the offensive move to kind of get back to where they need numbers wise, being a more defensive uh, against the Mountain West, I think is really kind of the bigger story that I saw coming out of these moves, especially North Texas and, and Rice in particular. This was, this was the AAC playing a bit of defense while also trying to make sure that their numbers are where they need them to be going forward. Yeah, that w- was one of my first thoughts about the Mountain West. And then, you know, I, I saw the Brett McMurphy report earlier today that indicated that uh, maybe the Mountain West passed on those schools first. I'm, I'm not necessarily certain who to believe or it's one of those things that's we didn't really offer you the the coaching job and you declined and, and you know we'll, we'll get the book on this later but, but yeah the first thought is okay at, making sure you add every single available Texas program into one league not only somewhat solidifies a geographic identity for the American which didn't exactly have one it takes that option completely off the board for the mountain West I, I don't I don't think any expansion really is is in, is in their their immediate future. I want to talk quickly about what this new league actually is. If you're a fan of an American athletic program, whether that's for football or basketball or, or some of these other sports, because my, my visceral reaction was not especially positive, but I wanted to give myself a little bit of time to actually go through the numbers, look through the advanced stats, look through some of the the finances, and and, and see so I can talk myself into it. I'm having a hard time doing it. Because as I understand this, both from just reading the same stories everybody else's and from talking to some other people in the industry this morning, the main thinking here from the American is let's double down on schools that have indicated they care about college football, that are in metropolitan markets, that are in relatively important geographic uh, recruiting metros. And the hope is that by getting them on linear television a little bit more often and playing in a slightly high profile league, that they will be able to develop into more attractive brands um, or more consistent winners. And like, when you put it that way, like none of that immediately sounds crazy, but that's basically what conference USA's whole argument was when they added these same teams. And if it worked, they'd still be in conference USA. Like this was the, the conventional wisdom here that adding markets rather than schools that have things like fan bases um, w- turned out to be a poor move. And now you're hoping that, uh, really, a, a little bit of more exposure because it's it's not like the American Athletics new you know, television contract is going to put every single one of their games on ESPN two. It's a little bit more exposure and a little bit more money. I think you're hoping that something is going to grow that that hasn't been there. Like there's a North Texas has been playing football for a long time. There's a reason they haven't consistently ever been very good, right? 
Absolutely. And and I think the at the same time, though, I, I think it was interesting to me that a, a lot of these schools were, were kind of newer schools. I mean, you look at Charlotte and their profile being a, a very young program, uh, having just moved up the ranks. You, you look at the, yeah. you know, UAB, certainly uh, the, the way they've come back, you know, UTSA uh, is another very young program in terms of the, the football stature. And I, I just think it, it's really interesting because you, you have these, these these schools and and yeah there, there is that growth potential there um, you know from from the American they think that you know adding them can, can certainly help and, and elevate programs like Rice and, and North Texas and, and UTSA UAB but you know the these these programs are still kind of on kind of fickle in terms of how they can can move forward uh, you know in life it, it could come down to a, a good a good coaching hire or a bad coaching hire and then they're right back you know kind of where they started being back towards the conference USA type of, of programs but uh, it, it's a risk. I understand why the AAC kind of decided to make it, but uh, I think it's it's one that we kind of can look back uh, in, in a couple of years from now and say, you know what, that just did not pan out like we thought it did. Sort of like you know when when you mentioned Conference USA the first time when when they went through this realignment process, it could be it could play out very similar uh, with with the a, the AAC right now. You bring up a really good point about what happens after a coaching change and. Maybe this isn't really going to win me a whole bunch of accolades here with it within the G5 crew, but I, I really do think there's something here to this idea that most teams, if you make an above average hire, are are just one coaching search away from being 500, right? Or or, or potentially an eight win team. But also, a lot of these these G5 programs are, are one bad hire from really kind of falling off a cliff, and it's really difficult to just to to, to really raise the floor. Uh, of a program. You know, I think a, a situation like Cincinnati is a little bit unusual where you've seen them win at a really high level with like four different coaches. Um, you can look at a, a program like Arkansas State, which like made coaching hire after coaching hire after coaching hire that was positive and successful and 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 uh, p- people wanted to hire their coaches. And then yet the floor is still kind of the floor, right? Like the, the floor is, is still the floor at, at most of these places. So I would look at this and think it's a danger to go, hey, you know, UTSA, they're undefeated. They're, they're ranked like maybe, maybe this is a fringe top 25 team, man. Like Jeff trailer is, is, is gone <laughs> in like two years. If, if you're Texas tech um, or if, if you're Baylor, if you need to find a new coach or any of these, these P five Texas programs, like that's going to be like your number one, your number one guy. Um, yeah, I mean, just to kind of interject a little bit. I mean, yeah. before this happened, you know, there was news in the coaching cycle this, this weekend with Ed Ordron and and certainly what happened with Washington State. And while those are two different kind of scenarios, I think it did kind of put into focus because when I'm looking at these schools, when I first saw just saw their name on on the tweets and the, and the stories and what I thought, all right, well, Charlotte, Will Healy, he, his name's going to be in, in the coaching news. Yeah. You know, you look at Florida Atlantic, I, I think Willie Tiger's probably going to stay there, but he, I, I think in, in an ideal world, he, he solidified that program he's looking to get back to a power five job uh certainly north texas is one that i think everybody kind of expects industry-wide to open up uh you look at rice there might be a change made there uib bill clark's name has come up time and time again although they are paying him quite well uh for that level he's another name that uh, could get into the mix for some of these jobs uh especially as we see some two marquee jobs on the market right now in lsu and usc what those kind of secondary effects are from those yeah. openings and other guys moving around. And, and UTSA, I mean, Jeff Trailer has done just a phenomenal job, really one of the, the coach of the year candidates, I think, nationally. And and he's another name that's, that's going to cover. I'm sure if Texas Tech ends up making a move, that, that's another name right there that uh, is going to be firmly. Yeah, yeah. So I was just saying, right, like you, you, can't, you can't count on any of these things. What, I think what you really have to do is, is look at a program and go like taking away your worst possible years – 
and your best possible years? What what has your median performance been like? If you look at FAU, or okay, you have you have a, a a name coach like their offense looks gross right now at Florida Atlantic, but maybe it could get better, right? They've been playing FBS football for like 20 years. I have sports reference open right now. They've been an above average team in SRS literally twice. The two years they had Lane Kiffin when they had overwhelmingly better players than everybody else in the conference. The rest of the time, even when they've been making bowl games, they've been not a, a substantially below average football team. So then you have to ask yourself, okay, if I have to make another hire, am I going to make the best hire program history? Am, am I am I going to you know hit this in the top 15% because the floor – is pretty low. We know what the floor is at Rice. They've been awful since Kennedy was president. We know what the floor is at, at, at some of these other institutions. And so it, it, that I think is concerning. I think that's also true on the basketball side. Um, UAB has a little bit of a basketball tradition. Uh, North Texas has been a top 100 program to, uh, for a couple of seasons recently. But one, you're only one bad co- one coaching search away from from plummeting. And I, I looked this up today on Ken Palm. Like over the last four years, the, the average Ken Palm ranking of this group. It was like 170. So if you're Temple or if you're Memphis, this sucks. Um, like this, this in the short term and really in the medium term makes your product worse. And I can under, I mean, we can understand why you're doing it. You're, you're, you've made five, four, six investments. You hope one or two of them hit and, and everybody needs a Vanderbilt in your conference. That's, that's not the end of the world. But I, when, when I hear Aresco and when I hear, I, I think people in this conference or, or, or fan bases in this, in this, in this league think like we can take lower level teams and build them up. We did it before. I don't think if you look at what UCF and what Houston and what Cincinnati were before the American, is that analogous? Is, is, is that great of a, of an analogy here to uh, what Florida Atlantic and what UTSA are? Um, so I, I, I think just from a fan perspective or a quality of product perspective, I would not feel as good about this league as I would have six months ago, you know? Well, I mean, I think it also speaks to the fact that, you know, there's just not a ton of options out there. I mean, that that has been readily apparent ever since Oklahoma and Texas made the move is that there there are not many chess pieces left on the board to really add to your leagues. I mean, the Mountain West certainly has figured this out, um, you know, where, where, where their stand, standpoint is, you know, frankly, if even if Boise State loses, yeah, they can go and get UTEP, but there, there's just not a lot of options for them. The same for the American. I think you look at what the Sun Belt does, there might be some things around the, the margin, but, um, you know, really for FBS schools, there's not a whole lot out there. And, you know, Conference USA really is running headlong into this because there, there's there's really, really not enough options out there for them. Uh, when you're talking about just numbers, when you're talking about schools, they, they, they don't have many moves to, left to make. And I think that is mo- the most intriguing thing about what kind of comes out of this this move by the American is where does everybody else go from here? Because, uh, you know, that, that pool of candidates keeps getting smaller and smaller and smaller. So I've asked around today and I think there are two real potential things that Conference USA can do like right now. Right. Uh, in, in case you're in case you're like me, a professional college sports writer who's been doing this for a long time, and you occasionally forget who's in Conference USA, um, or certainly in which division. I'll, I'll quickly refresh you: the teams that are, as of right now, are still committed to this league include Marshall, Western Kentucky, Florida International, Middle Tennessee State, Old Dominion, Louisiana Tech, Southern Miss, and UTEP, um, which is roughly 900 miles away from from now the, the, the closest institution. Um, as of this recording, 
Brian, I don't know if this is what you have been hearing, but I have been hearing pretty regularly that the Sun Belt um, is interested in expanding. They're interested in potentially taking a, a group of teams from Conference USA. And the two teams that have been mentioned the most in those conversations have been Southern Miss and Marshall. Um, whether that actually happens, uh, not. I mean, if, if I could confirm it, I would. I, I certainly can't right now. That is a possibility. But if you if you are Conference USA's leadership, I think there are there are two pathways for you. One is you decide, hey, we're gonna we're gonna take the cla- the glass half full approach. One of the big struggles for our league beforehand was a lack of a defined geographic and institutional identity. Now we kind of have them because most of the teams in this league. Not all of them, but most of them uh, are around the Tennessee, Kentucky, Virginia, Appalachian region. So we might politely tell UTEP, maybe you should consider going independent. We should wish our friends in Southern Miss. And, you know, you try to keep Marshall, but if they leave, it, it stinks, but it's not the end of the world. Um, and uh, I don't know what you do necessarily with Louisiana Tech, but the remaining institutions, those are all not that far away from each other. You call up James Madison, who desperately would like to be in uh, an FBS league. You call up Liberty. And uh, swallow your pride because now you are no longer in a position to to really be picky. Uh, maybe you talk to Delaware. Maybe you talk to a, another Colonial Athletic FCS program, and you say, "Okay, great." Or, 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 or probably not UConn or UMass, but um, you're you're going to be a Northern Atlantic Coast league. And I would get rid of the Conference USA name and move the headquarters to Richmond or something, and say, "We're now the Blue Mountain Conference." This is our new identity and our, our new history and go from there. Uh, and that would be a, a, a challenging transition in the very beginning, I, I, I think. But it would also make it easier, I think, for you to be able to recruit, maintain and build membership from there. And in 20 years, maybe that league has a better chance of, of staying the, afloat. The, the other completely outside the box suggestion here, I was asking around and wanted to confirm that this is possible. I'd call up the whack and I, and I would say, what if we made an arrangement here where either we, we formally merged or we, we created some kind of, of alliance like the conference USA and the mountain West had here for a minute where our basketball teams uh, for men's women's basketball, where we repeatedly play each other to, to grow out our, our schedules. We're going to have an FCS football league. That's the whack. We're going to have an FBS league. And, and then eventually we're going to have two FBS leagues and, and move the whack into that, that Texas configuration and, and have an East and a West and, and be something like a, a mid-major airplane conference. And that I think could then build you an identity of being a, a really very good mid-major basketball league uh, and make the best of the situation you have. And that would be very difficult. It would require a lot of paperwork. It would require uh, some egos to 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 take take a big hit. Although I think the last week should have probably did probably took care of that. I think for a couple of the administrators. Failing that, I don't really see a, a viable other alternative. I, I don't know if just going and grabbing Missouri State or a handful of other FCS teams and keeping the same kind of format solves any meaningful problems for you for for the league. I, I would agree. I mean, I think, you know, Conference USA is, is in a tough boat in terms of ultimately what, what the commissioner and what, what the 
presidents of these schools that, that are still still sitting around, uh, you know, what they ultimately want to do, that they, they will get at least a little bit of a cash infusion. I, I think the reported number is around $3 million per school. So you at least have that to kind of cushion things. I mean, that, that's going to be more than essentially their, their TV contract is uh, if you divvy it up over a couple of years. And so I think there's at least you can fall back on that for a little bit. But uh, there, there's there's some tough questions uh, to, to be asked ahead. And, and you, you mentioned the calling up the whack. I mean, I, I'm just immediately thinking that uh, kind of off script, but I, I thought promotion relegation, maybe, maybe the conference USA, they can try it. Yeah. They, can, they can get the whack. They can get involved. They can just do some promotion relegation with some football programs. They can see how it works. Um, but uh, that, that is a pipe dream for the, for another day because uh, we, we, you're going to have to get creative. And like, like you've been saying, there's just not a whole lot of great options out there. And, and I do get the sense though, that conference USA, especially with, um, you know, they have, they have Kevin Weiberg uh, uh, advising them. They have Jim Delaney. I, I just have a sense that they're going to be kind of try to try to put their head in the sand a little bit and and trying uh trying to push forward with with what they have and, and ultimately yeah. kind of kicking oh. the can down the road which is I, I i don't think that's the time for this i think this is the time to really reevaluate what you want this conference to be what you ultimately want these schools to be uh in, in terms of the collection and uh how you can go from there i, I think the the blue mountain uh, conference or, or whatever you just termed it is a is a great idea but whether the, they really want to kind of go out on the limb like that and do that, I, I just I have a hard time seeing that based on, on all the conversations that have been yeah. out there and, and and just based on some of the other media reports as well. Yeah, Judy, I mean, that idea is free. Uh, you want some other consulting ideas? Uh, Matt at Extra Points MB is my email address. My difficult guy to get a hold of. I'm happy to happy to brainstorm. I'm glad you mentioned Delaney because this was mentioned in McMurphy's report. And this was also mentioned to me by a couple of other people here. There was some optimism in Conference USA circles that, hey, we've got two super experienced former Power Five commissioners who are consulting. If anybody's able to kind of broker peace in our time, it's going to be these guys. And I've had multiple people tell me um, Delaney's pitch was terrible. And part of it was because he walked into that room when there were already people that really resented him. If I was to think of who is a longtime college sports administrator who is clearly a, a friend of the G5 conferences, I wouldn't pick Jim Delaney. Uh, I wouldn't pick anybody with the Big Ten um, or, or the really the SEC, I think, over the past couple of seasons. And then like similar to what McMurphy reported, I've heard that like, the actual presentation and the actual quality of, of like consulting services wasn't that great. And 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 led some people turned off. I wouldn't even I wouldn't even be shocked if the decision to go public with that letter um actually ultimately made this conversation worse and maybe pushed the, the, the American to do more poaching or be more aggressive than, than they had originally done. So I, I think you're right. It, this would be a good time to restock and say, like, the people who you were getting advice from um, have not been effective. And it's possible that personal animosity played a role here. And if anything, if we want to somehow make this into a morality play, which I recognize is a dangerous thing to do in college sports, uh, I think here you could, you could do it because – if Conference USA wanted, like we said before, if you wanted that merger, if you wanted to do something regional, you could have done it in 2016, you could have done it in 2017, you could have done it in 2018. You had ADs and presidents in your league who said you wanted to do it, and you got up there and you said you are better than the Sun Belt. Like I, I shared that clip yesterday, the old athletic director at Louisiana Tech that's like, no, I, I think we're the league that poaches them. That did not age well. And um, the, the pride comes, you know, comes before all of us, I suppose. I mean, the, the Sun Belt has been the biggest winner, uh, at least yeah. at the group of five level of realignment, really. I think that the last... <laughs> Unless you want to say the Mac, just because you don't have to talk about them. Like, yeah, I mean, you could just kind of... 
chill. Yeah, they they have solidified themselves certainly with the Mac, and and it's a, it's a group of like minded schools, and so nobody's exactly uh, coming in on their turf. But I mean, I think that the Sun Belt, and not only their their, their initial strategy uh, under former Commissioner Carl Benson that that they had in terms of their expansion candidates, but really the entire league has has played themselves up into a strength. Um, you know, they've survived coaching changes, they they've made investments in programs. I mean, you look at what just Louisiana has been doing. Um, I, I know Billy Napier's name has, has come up quite a bit, but off the field. In terms of the the amount of donations that they have, the amount of um, improvements, capital uh, projects that uh, that school has been been really doing has uh, been been pretty impressive. Um, you know, on top of all the other uh, ones in the league and what they've they kind of made a, a priority. I mean, you look at App State and how they've made that transition up to FBS. You look at uh, things like Georgia State and Georgia Southern, what they've been doing as well. It's just been impressive as, as a league. And and you add to this, they are now really, I think, closer to the American and, and Mountain West than, than they ever have been, not only on the field, but in terms of that gap between the kind of top end of, of the group of five and where the Sun Belt currently sits. Uh, it's It's been as narrow as I can ever remember it. And you add to that the fact that they, they can be, not only stay still and, and be be confident in, in moving forward uh, in, with, uh, with with uh, a pretty solid foundation, but but they can also kind of go out and, and cherry pick. And you mentioned the two schools earlier. Um, those are ones that I've heard. I also heard Western Kentucky uh, would, would be trying to get into the mix. I think it's a school that obviously has a strong football tradition uh, dating back to their FCS days where they were uh, you know winning national titles. And, uh, yeah. you know, they, they've had some success at the FBS level, not to where they, they want it to be, but uh, that, that's a proud program. I think basketball-wise, it, w- it would be a nice addition as well. So I, I think that's another one to maybe keep an eye out, but we'll see if, if ultimately they get in the mix. But, um, you know, Marshall is, is another one. We, we mentioned it a couple podcasts ago. Uh, you never know how, how some of the, the politicians are going to start to get involved in some of these moves as well. We, we, we kind of yeah. see them take a step back and be on the back burner. But now that everything's getting real and, and these moves are kind of happening and uh, there are a little, you know, a little bit of musical chairs and, and some schools getting left with, without a seat, I think we could maybe start to see some of the the politicians getting involved, especially in some of these smaller states uh, where, where it does mean a whole lot for that flagship institution or or one of your flagship schools in, in the state uh, to, to be moving to a better conference. It's probably worth mentioning here that uh, West Virginia Governor Jim Justice is a Marshall super fan. Um, and I would imagine he probably has thoughts about where Marshall should end up. Uh, so with the, with the G five schools or especially these regional publics, to the extent that, that state houses and governors get involved varies because you don't always have the UTSA grad in the governor's mansion. And that isn't always like the, the most important thing, but you're right. Yeah. Small state flagship, small state, uh, one that might wield disproportionate political influence. These these things do happen. I, the the going back to the Sun Belt, I think is a, you, you're you're right. Like I think I even said this on this show. I know you and I have talked about it before, but it's not an accident that none of these teams are that were added here were from the Sun Belt. And I I can tell you that I've heard from not only sitting athletic directors in that conference, but then like people who work in that league that said like even if the American had come to App State, App State would have said no. Georgia State likely would have said no. And, and part of that was, hey, we, f- we really do feel very good about what we have here. We feel really good about our own individual influence over our, 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 our league office um, and our, our own traditions and our, and our own rivalries. But, but also, maybe the juices aren't worth the squeeze money-wise. And this is the other thing that I am I'm still trying to figure out. The uh, Leading up to this realignment story, every athletic director that I talked to outside of the American Athletic said, 
there's no way they're going to be able to keep their current media contract without a downward adjustment. And every time I talked to a television consultant, you know, not a message board person, somebody who professionally like helps with these uh, these rights deals, whether that's at the FCS or the, the, the P5, the G5 level, they all said the same thing. You lose those three programs, you're going to get an adjustment to your television contract. And yet in the Yahoo Sports story um, that was released uh, on Monday evening and uh, through others that have gone through the, I think the the lens of the American athletics perspective, there's there's been there's an idea that even with expansion, the core remaining American athletic teams are going to get the same amount of money through their television deal. I don't know how that's possible. It, it is entirely possible that Aresco knows something with ESPN that nobody else in this industry knows, or I'm talking to the wrong people, which. And what happens, <laughs> I'm, I'm wrong sometimes, but that came up when I talked to Sunbelt people like it's not worth us only making an extra two and a half million dollars a year when we consider everything else that we have to do. I don't know what the actual conference distribution is going to look like for everybody in four years. I really do. I really would be surprised if it actually is the same as it is now. And you got to keep in mind, too, that. AAC isn't isn't completely set either. You know, we we mentioned in the last podcast. Uh, you know, Memphis might end up you know, leaving. That's another candidate that's reported out there for the Big Twelve. So Temple, Temple uh, is, you is are a- now a Texas and Southern League that is going to get a lot worse in basketball, and you are neither of those things. Oh, the the Big East. Uh, even uh, a couple of days ago, mm-hmm. kind of said, you know, we're we're might be exploring things as well, and I think that would be music to Temple's ears. Certainly, uh, you know, maybe not from a football standpoint, but from a basketball standpoint, if they were able to somehow latch on to the to the Big East, I think they would would jump at, at, at that opportunity, especially from a travel standpoint with with all those Northeast schools. And it does kind of get back to, to the original point to where uh, becoming more regionalized is is a good thing. Like I, I, I you know, we talk about this conference USA deciding what they want to do and. And being a more regional league uh, has worked for others, and and it should be the case for Conference USA. It should be the focus for all of realignment moves. Um, you know, maybe you can, uh, you know, it is difficult given the the amount of sports and things you got to juggle. But you know, you, you mentioned Marshall. You know, it, it would be great if there's like a, a Marshall and like a Temple, and you know, we, we can throw UConn and UMass and some of the other kind of uh, schools that are kind of in that northeast corridor uh, of the country. Maybe they they can kind of break away and, and form their league. I, I doubt that's going to happen, but uh, you know. In, in an ideal world where you're competing with more regional peers with you with kind of equal resources it's and, and equal uh, sort of recruiting grounds that, that that would be an ideal scenario for a lot of folks but it, it's just not really kind of reality right now and i think it's what ultimately everybody is, is kind of that the push and pull of this this realignment cycle is, has been grappling with that you know there's there's not a whole lot of landing spots there's not a whole lot of places they can go but in in an ideal world you'd blow it all up you'd start again and and you'd be a lot more regional but that's that's just not not the reality we're we're facing right now we here at going for two and certainly at good spot publishing llc headquartered here in chicago we're solutions oriented people i think i speak for brian here when i say that you know we 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 bear no ill will towards marshall or Old Dominion, or any of these particular institutions, we want the best possible experience for those athletes, those fans, uh, and and those employees. So um, we're all begging you, please don't do this stupid thing. (laughs) And like, you you just wrote this big letter about how you don't want to do this stupid thing. We want something that's regionalized. We want like-minded institutions. We want, I mean, I'm actually working on a newsletter about this right now, about like really digging into the, the human cost of a lot of this travel. Because if you're a football team, even if you're an FCS football team, you're chartering for your flights. All but the most poor FCS football teams are doing that just because you can't send 120 people 
commercial um, and, and, and have any kind of like stable kind of, of, of flight travel. You're chartering for men's and women's basketball generally too, but everybody else is flying commercial. Uh, everyone else is flying coach um, or they're, or they're, they're busing everywhere. And, and that's a physical demand. It is an emotional demand. It is a demand on your class time, potentially your health. And those things add up. It's not, there's, it's not just a, a cell in the spreadsheet. You know, you have to, you really do need to take, take those things into consideration. Well, I think if, if anything, that is kind of the, the biggest addition with the American is that uh, these are schools that you can get into easily. I mean, you can fly in yeah. and out of Charlotte. American has, has a base there. You, you talk about Florida Atlantic, you, you can fly into either of the three kind of South Florida airports if you get a good yep. deal uh, and, and bus up to FAU. You, you got North Texas there in the DFW area. Rice it's, is obviously based, in Houston. It's, it's just ECU that you yeah. really can't get to. And you, and you could fly from Charlotte to Greenville. I, I believe there is literally one runway, if I remember that airport correctly. But it's otherwise, yeah, you, you drive an hour and a half. And I mean, even UAB, you know, you might have to uh, to connect through Atlanta there, but uh, it, it's an easy, easy flight and, and you can get in and out of there quickly. And there's a, there's a lot of connectivity there. So uh, it makes sense in, in that standpoint from the other standpoints that, you, you know, you, you could save quite a bit on, on the travel costs, uh, you know, if you're some of these American schools as well. And and that's something that uh, CSA has to, has to keep in mind as well going forward is, uh, you know, you mentioned going in there to Liberty and, and some of the other schools. You know, you, you kind of got to figure that out on the back end as well in terms of what you're going to end up paying for your volleyball team to kind of fly halfway across the country and and vice versa. And, and where that kind of standpoint, um, you know, can, can that outweigh uh, some of the savings or, or additions from the meteorite standpoint? Uh, in, in a lot of cases, no. But uh, as, as we've seen, uh, rational decisions uh, don't typically get made uh, in, in college athletics just based on, on what's best uh, for, for one school or, or the other. One, one thing I, I do want to very just quickly mention here on the air as, as we're talking about realignment and having to suddenly keep tabs on a bunch of new programs and, and a bunch of things really changing. Um, in case you guys are not aware of this as listeners, our show right now is um, right now part of the Varsity Podcast Network. That is through Learfield IMG. They help sell our ads. They help handle some of the behind the scenes stuff here to, to make this podcast go. The Varsity Network combines not just national shows like ours or Split Zone Duo or Jeff Schwartz is Smarter Than You, but also a ton of official team-specific podcasts featuring their actual radio hosts throughout the country, whether that's Texas Tech, whether that's Oklahoma State or Georgia Southern, UCLA. A lot of these new teams that are uh, being floated around here for Conference US, for Conference USA, for the American, all these other leagues, you can download the Varsity app on your phone. You can go uh, go to the Varsity Podcast Network on your computer device and find all of those and make your listening experience and catch up on some of these new programs uh, a little bit better and make it also a little bit easier for you to find what we're producing here. Um, I am going to kind of keep to, to make some other phone calls and try to get a better idea about maybe what some of these other moves are going to be in the future. I'm going to have that on extra points uh, along with a bunch of other stories that have absolutely nothing to do with conference realignment. A lot of these ones I keep saying, yeah, I'll, I'll get to that one. I'll get to that one. As soon as the news cycle uh, slows down, and then of course, you know, somebody else leaves the Ohio Valley conference and I have to rearrange everything again. Um, is there anything independent of this gigantic story that you wanted to hit on this, on this episode? 
I mean, we could keep, uh, we could dive into the coaching uh, cycle because that seems like that is the, the topic du jour outside of this uh, with, with what's happened at, at Washington State. And and yeah. uh, again, a question at LSU, I, I, I had this brought up to me a couple of times in the, in the wake of Ed Ordron and, and really the, the parting of ways uh, with the Tigers. I, I know that that's going to set up a lot of speculation, but once again, a case of a school. When they did the initial deal with him after the national title game, listen, Ed Orgeron deserved a raise, deserved everything that came to him from putting together one of the greatest teams of all time. No question in my mind, having seen that, seen that 2019 Tigers version up close uh, and what they were able to do on the field, one of the just most magical moments for that school and for anybody really to win a national title like the way that they did in their own backyard with, with the, just the season, that, how it all came together. But at the same time, that school, when they were negotiating that deal with that order, and they were negotiating against themselves. Uh, we saw this. Nobody again else would have tired him. Yeah. We saw this again with Texas A&M with, with Jimbo Fisher and that, that contract extension that was negotiated a couple of weeks ago. I mean, it, it just it, it is killing me. And maybe we will we'll have it on a guest in a couple of weeks to kind of go over some of these these uh, reasons why uh, some of these schools are doing this. But it, it just it just kills me when we start to see some of these buyout figures being thrown around. And, and you see these schools time after time, they keep negotiating in themselves. They, they are getting taken to the cleaners. There's a reason why every coaching cycle, we say Jimmy Sexton is, is going to buy a new boat because it ends up happening time after time. It's going to happen again with USC and L- LSU and the associated moves that those schools are going to produce uh, from this coaching cycle. But it, it is just wild to me to see this happen time and time again. And and this is happening with smart people involved too. You know, these are smart athletic directors uh, negotiating the, these salaries and whatnot, but um, it is. It just it, it is remarkable to me as, as we get into another full coaching cycle. Uh, and, and I wrote about this a, a bit at Athlon Sports on, on Mondays. Yeah. It, it almost feels like the second half of the college football season, uh, setting aside the kind of these realignment ways we've been chatting about. But it, it kind of feels like the, the coaching hot seat talk and, and really the coaching carousel itself is going to kind of overshadow almost the, the playoff chase uh, because there's just going to be so much speculation out there and, and, uh, and so much, you know, millions of dollars in, in speculation thrown out there in terms of the buyouts, because, um, you know, it, the, these athletic directors are under pressure to win and, and win right away. And that's forcing uh, things to happen uh, on and off the field. It, and it's just a, a vicious, vicious cycle. And I think that's uh, one, one big takeaway I've had from this past weekend beyond the realignment things that we've been chatting about. Yeah, though I I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, I'll throw a link in our show notes. I, I did do a podcast um, a couple of weeks ago with my buddy Stephen Godfrey, who's really plugged into this world, and, and this is right after UConn opened. And we do have a a, a guest who works in the search firm industry uh, who will be coming on the show uh, soon to help maybe clear up some misconceptions or help explain some of these things. I, I would like to get an agent on here as well to help explain some of this. Cause I've talked to other agents and I've talked to even coaches that say, even we think the buyout market is stupid. And, and in many cases being saddled with the enormous buyout doesn't lead to great outcomes other than the agent and the coach getting a lot of money. It doesn't lead to like great job fit outcomes or, uh, or, or situations here for schools. Um, I, I will say that I've had multiple smart athletic directors and, and, and people who have recently left this industry tell me it's kind of impossible to go in wanting to be fiscally responsible. Cause I don't think anybody comes into this industry thinking, you know what I really want to do? I want to pay Jimbo Fisher $200 million. I want to go give a football coach the gross national product of a small Caribbean country that would give me career fulfillment. It, it just, it happens that way. And it, it happens because 
the people that control your job, uh, a couple of, of of big boosters, and it's not a, just a southern thing. This is a, this is a nationwide thing. Well, maybe not a nationwide thing. It's it's not just a southern thing. Maybe maybe it's not so much like a northern California thing. Um, let's say like, well, the, the the thing that's going to help you keep your job and do these other things that you like to do is hiring the right coach, and that requires you to spend an exorbitant amount of money. And if you want to be fiscally responsible about it, you won't be employed. To kind of tie the ball, what we were talking about here a little bit before the show started, it's kind of the same thing in European soccer, right? Like you can say, I'm going to run this club like a business. I'm not going to be fiscally irresponsible. Well, buddy, if everybody else is being fiscally irresponsible, you can be great at signing the appropriately valued contracts and building a great youth system. Congratulations, you're in 11th place. Um, and and it, it doesn't work that way. And, that, and this system that doesn't promote financial common sense it's i i don't really know how anybody can can be like the the lone voice of sanity and not get pushed out of their gig yeah i mean it is tough you know you're facing pressures from all over not only from from the coaches and, and wanting to feel appreciated and, and i think that is part of the aspect why some a lot of these deals get get done but um i mean you, you could start you can just see the, you know kind of the cracks appearing and and you just you understand why they, they, they kind of wanted to go down these roads but at, at the same time you know it, it is a a challenge i think for the industry itself to kind of reckon with and I, you almost hoped that that you know, COVID and, and what happened last year would have kind of been the impetus for that. But you start to, you start, you already saw, you know, I mean, yeah. South Carolina, they moved, made a move at, at 15 plus million dollars for, uh, you know, Will Muschamp and, and made a change there. Um, you know, you started to see Arkansas after just two years, you know, jettison uh, from, from the Chad Morris experience, uh, despite, uh, you know, double digit uh, payout. So I think it's, it, it is tough. Um, you know, I, I think more than anything, it, it's going to be interesting too, is how does that kind of filter down? Because the other thing that, that I was thinking this week as well, uh, on top of the SEC and, and these schools being able to afford some of these massive buyouts, you know, it's also filtering down to some other sports. Um, you know, the SEC is, is you know, able to go out and not only pay basketball coaches, you know, about the market rate, but it's really kind of blocking a little bit some of these group of five programs. Because if you're a coordinator at an SEC school, SEC school you're making a million and a half, $2 million a year. Well, you know what? Some of these group of five programs, if you want to be a head coach there, you're going to have to take a massive pay cut. And, and that's going to affect the market in, in other different ways um, in terms of who ultimately wants these jobs. You know, we were just mentioning, you know, the, the Charlotte jobs and, and UTSA possibly coming open. Uh, you know, that it, it's difficult for, I think, those to find really good candidates nowadays. And that kind of forces your hand in terms of, all right, well, you know, I really don't want to make another hire. So I, I will give the coach what he, you know, what he wants. And, and it might be a little bit of a lopsided deal compared to the, you know, what the school should be doing. But at the end of the day, I, I'm going to do it just because I don't want to make a hire. And I, I bet with those athletic records out there you know and just just think about uh, some of the long-term ramifications if, if ultimately things do not pan out because uh, we're going to see the fruits of, of some of those bad deals play out the next couple of weeks next couple of months as we go into a, a very active i think december uh, with with a lot of movement uh, across the country that that to me uh, even more so than moves like this this aac and, and conference usa and whatnot is going to kind of dominate the headlines in in college athletics i think over the next couple of weeks you know what's a lot more affordable than um, paying a, a, a gigantic failed coach buyout. That's a subscription to Extra Points, my friend. You can help support this show and help support the newsletter that keeps it going and this whole audience right now for just $8 a month or $75 a year. And if you are somebody that is a college student or has a university email address, um, because you are working in the athletic department or you are a, a staffer or still keep your alumni email address, um, there's probably an institutional discount for you. 
you can if, if you if you'd like a student discount and it's not listed on the in the show notes here hit me up at matt at extrapointsmb.com um, those subscriptions not only give you four newsletters a week they give you some free stickers they give you access to our private discord server and they keep this podcast and the newsletter going um, you can find that newsletter at extrapointsmb.com I imagine we'll have some more stuff about the coaching search, both in this podcast and on that newsletter uh, in the near future. Earlier this week, uh, I have newsletters out about the NCAA's uh, a task force recommendation to move away from standardized testing, which I think sent a lot of people freaking out on social media. Spoiler alert, it doesn't really mean what you think it means. We have uh, other realignment stories and uh, I think some interesting basketball scheduling freelance stories coming up uh, in the near future. We have a bunch more scoops coming up from you as well, Brian. Uh, your excellent column is uh, on Mondays uh, for, for Athlon. Um, what else are you working on that people need to make sure that they are aware of? Uh, a couple of NFL stuff uh, as well. That is, uh, we're thick and heavy in terms of uh, the NFL season going off. So I got a couple of things on, on Athlon Sports on, on that front as well. But uh, yeah, you mentioned the Monday column, seven sip drop. You can find that on athlonsports.com. Always my Twitter feed as well. Uh, I was pumping that out uh, at Brian D. Fisher. But uh, active active weekend, uh, even though the, the, the slate in college football maybe doesn't look the greatest, we, we've seen uh, the, the news cycle <laughs> not lack for headlines as we've been talking about on this podcast. Yeah, and there's some there's still interesting stuff happening. It has nothing to do with football. Basketball season's about to start up now. Soccer season's really heated up. Uh, there's interesting things happening in college athletics all over the place. You'd be able to find them on this show, on all the other shows on the Varsity Podcast Network, and uh, on Extra Points. Yeah, and, and I mean, you mentioned uh, a lot of a lot of things happening in college athletics next week. Uh, keep an eye out for it. Gender Equity Report. I'm sure we'll eventually discuss that as well, covering a lot sure. of the sports outside of uh, basketball and the NCA. A lot of presidential meetings uh, at that level. We had the NCA Constitutional Convention coming up uh, just around the corner. So a lot, a lot happening in, yeah. in college athletics. It does I, not I, lack for headlines. I applied for my credential for that. I'm, I am very excited to. to uh, this is not a joke. I am excited to spend ten hours talking about subcommittees. Um, that's why that that's why that's why I write this newsletter, baby, because I, I want I want to talk about that stuff. Um, anyway, friends, thank you. Thank you for listening. Check out the other shows here on the Varsity Network. Check out the newsletter. Check out our what we're doing on, on social media. Uh, we will be back next week. Uh, until then, thanks for listening.